0: parents and military kids please like share and subscribe and we appreciate your comments questions and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about welcome to our podcast for the sake of the child my name is tara gleason i'm the spouse of an active duty service member parent to three military kids parent-to-parent educator and curriculum developer and now podcast producer at the military child education coalition and i'm your host today we're going to talk about school choice Joining me is Dave LePin, Vice President of Communications for the Bipartisan Policy Center. He's also retired from the U.S. Marines as a colonel and a military parent, and also he was a military child himself growing up. Thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and the role with the INSEC in military children?
1: Certainly. Thanks, Tara, for having me on. As you mentioned, I am a military brat. My father served in the Navy at least the first seven or eight years of my of my life, and so I experienced moves and changes as a military uh, service member, a Marine myself, and having children who also experienced the same. And then also the fact that I work for the Military Child Education Coalition as their director here in the national capital region they gave me exposure to these issues. So I have both personal and professional experience in in dealing with the issues of the challenges facing military parents and and children, particularly related to education and, and school choice.
0: So I recently heard you speak at our MSEC National Training Seminar about how military families have always been faced with school choice, but now school choice has taken on a different meaning. I think it would be best first to talk about what we mean when we say school choice. Certainly, and,
1: and to provide the fuller context, uh, thinking back to my own experiences again, school choice 30, 40, 50 years ago, I think had a broad meaning, which was that as military families moved from place to place, as the military gave you orders to new locations, as a parent you're always faced with certain choices about where to live, where to enroll your children in schools. And back then, a lot of the choices were Essentially public schools or private schools. In most of, often in those cases, parochial schools. Today, military parents face the same type of choices in terms of every time they PCS and go to a new location, they have to make decisions on where they live and where they send their children to school. But now they have a much broader range of choices. So in addition to public schools, there are defense, Department of Defense, education activity via schools both here in the United States and overseas. There are the same private-type schools, parochial schools in, in various places, but now parents also have options with charter schools. They have options now with homeschooling, which was not something that was prevalent you know, just a decade or two ago. There are various locations. There are 13 states in the District of Columbia that have some type of a school voucher program so that's another option that parents may consider. And since it is in, in 13 states and in, in the district, it's not universal. So parents would only have school voucher choices in certain locations and not in others. In and of itself, that could be a challenge, that you're in a location that offers vouchers and that provides you certain types of options and decisions, and then your are to a different location that doesn't include vouchers, and you face a different set of choices.
0: So you mentioned some of them. Are there other pros and cons when it comes to school vouchers specifically for military families? It's tough to put them in
1: pros and cons because those tend to have a you know a connotation that cons are always negative. For some parents, the things that certain parents may consider cons, others could either not consider a con or consider it a pro. For example, a parent who lives in a locality that offers school vouchers may consider it a pro that they have that option and that they can choose to take a school voucher. While other parents could consider the fact that they have school vouchers in a negative way, they could see it as a con because of things that uh, relate to financing. Obviously, a school voucher is going to vary by location. So this is, my comments are, are general in nature since each state and locality might have different uh, criteria for their vouchers. But oftentimes, a voucher is only going to partially cover the cost of some of the options that parents may choose. So, for example, if you're in a location that has a school voucher program and you want to use that voucher to send your child to a charter school, well, will that cover any costs or is that charter school something that doesn't require cost? Is there a private school in the area that costs a certain amount of money that your voucher wouldn't cover in full? So as a parent, you're faced with the choice, do I take the voucher if it's only going to pay part of what the cost is going to be for a particular school choice? So again, parents are going to look at them through their own lens and determine which are positive or negative for them. The other thing about school vouchers, they have generated a bit of controversy because of the question of, then public schools receive federal government taxpayer money to operate? And there are other schools that don't, generally in in the private school realm and parochial schools. So there's there's the question of, are taxpayer dollars in the form of vouchers being used to subsidize private school education, and is that appropriate? There's also the argument against those types of choices, because where public schools are held accountable and operate under a certain set of criteria, That's not always the case with private schools who don't have to divulge certain information. They can make very selective choices about who they accept. Public schools have to, you know, enroll every student that comes their way. There's been a similar criticism of of charter schools in that way, that some feel that charter schools can sort of pick the best of the best and not have to deal with students that have lots of learning challenges, whereas public schools need to uh, educate everyone who's there. So again, it's There isn't one central answer, uh, and I think this gets to the idea of parents being as as informed as they can about all the different options and looking at it through the lens of their child or their children. Because as military parents also know that even child-to-child is different. What one child in your family may require from an academic and educational perspective could be different for one of your other children, and so even within the same family, Choices is a complicated uh, discussion.
0: Exactly, especially when you're transitioning to a new place and you're trying to educate yourself about the different types of choices within different communities or the lack thereof. Sometimes you move to a community that doesn't have a lot of choices. There's only basically public school and, and maybe one private school. And then you're looking at families who are doing homeschool options and things like that. So what about education savings accounts for military families?
1: So there is a piece of legislation in the House of Representatives in Congress that would create military education savings accounts. Now, that particular piece of legislation has only been introduced in the House it's in, in committee. So it hasn't moved beyond the committee level, and it certainly hasn't done anything on the Senate. And the indications are that this year there isn't going to be any movement on that particular bill. That bill itself proposes to use impact aid, which many military parents may be familiar with, but we should, which we should talk about a little bit as well because there's much confusion about impact aid. But it would essentially siphon money from the federal impact aid program to fund these uh, military education savings accounts, and so there's a lot of concern in the military community and in the impact aid community, obviously, and with organizations like the Military Child Education Coalition about pulling money from impact aid, which is a very established, uh, helpful program and putting it into these education savings accounts. So again, not without concern or controversy, but at this point, uh, it doesn't appear to be close to passing through the uh, House of Representatives.
0: So you've mentioned impact aid. Can you can you expand on that a little bit? What is impact aid, and how it's different from these other voucher education savings accounts? What parents could look for? We're actually going to do a podcast separately on impact aid specifically, but I think in the midst of this conversation, it's important to tell what it is and how it is different.
1: Great. Well. Thanks, for too, for mentioning that you intended to do a podcast on it, because it can be a, a fairly complex issue. So knowing that you're going to get into some of the details in a different podcast, I'll try to keep it as, as general as possible. Essentially, Impact Aid is a federal program that understands that the presence of federal government activity. And so in our, you know, context, we're talking military families, but it also applies to Native American tribes and, and other entities. But impact aid is something that is meant to recoup a local community for loss of federal or loss of tax revenue due to the fact that there's a federal installation in that area. There's a formula that determines if a particular school would qualify for impact aid having to do with the size of the the population and how many military-connected students there are. Not every school around a military installation or where military children go uh, even qualifies for impact aid. And so military parents are probably familiar with filling out a form for impact aid, and that's the way that school districts can account for how many military families, military children they have in their particular school district to determine whether they would qualify for impact aid. Then the school district submits its impact aid information There's an appropriation that comes out of the federal government, which then sends money to those school districts. But a key point, too, is that even though the impact aid is meant to assist military children, the aid extends to all the students and all the children in those particular school districts. So sometimes parents mistakenly think that if I fill out this impact aid form, that will be money that comes back to my child. And it's not that simple. It's money that comes back to improve the education system that your child is is enrolled in, but it doesn't come specifically back to your child or your children, but it does enhance the school district in which your children are, are attending school.
0: And impact aid is specifically for public schools only, not for private schools. And some of those other homeschool opportunities, obviously, only for public schools, Impact Aid. That's
1: correct. And, that, and again, that's an, ex, an important distinction because if, if military parents are making choices to homeschool their children or send them to non-public school options, then they wouldn't be beneficiaries of, of federal Impact Aid. And the last thing on that point, again, is some of the concern is that if Impact Aid were to be used as the source of funding for these military education savings accounts, it diminishes a very well-established program, Impact Aid, that's operated for years, and you're pulling those dollars away from districts that, that have a great need to, to, again, educate military children, but they do so at the expense of lost tax revenue.
0: How do you think the potential implementation of school choice policies could affect opportunities for military children? That's one that
1: I think, again, will vary greatly by location. And one of the challenges that that military parents already face, as you mentioned earlier, is what options you have as you move from place to place. So you may move to a, a location that has lots of options. And as a military parent, you can choose a public school, a private school, a charter school, homeschooling any number of things, or you go to an area and in the public school is pretty much your only choice unless you, you want to homeschool. Similarly with vouchers, there's of the 13 states, some of them have sizable military populations, but others don't. For example, California which has probably the largest population of military students does not have school vouchers. So if you happen to get orders to an installation in California, vouchers wouldn't necessarily be one of the options you could consider. So it's incumbent upon each parent as you move from location to location to educate yourself to the greatest extent possible about all of the different options available to you as a parent. For example, if you move to a location and you want to, you don't believe a particular school is serving your child well and you want to move them into a a school in a different district is that allowable even under local provisions? In some cases, it may be. In some cases, it may not be. So you may not have the option of moving your child from one district to another. And that is a formal school choice as well.
0: And I'm glad you're bringing up some of these issues because we also need to let parents know where they can find out more information when these type of issues arise. School choice or even some of these policies, we know that every installation has a school liaison officer. And even if you're living outside of the installation, they have a whole – even if you're miles and miles away, your school liaison officer at the closest installation is still able to help families away from installations. And and they can answer questions like what you just mentioned, the intra-district or inter-district transfers. And I've even called them before and and ask, well, what's the likelihood of getting one? And in some places, they say, you know, it's about 95% here. And there's other places that I've lived, in they're like, that would be zero. There is no interdistrict or interdistrict transfers here. But I, I think that parents could definitely seek out their school liaison officer as their primary source of information for local installations. I work for the parent-to-parent program here at the INSEC. We have. Online trainings based on this, one of them is called Public School Alternatives that talks a little bit about education savings accounts and vouchers and the different types of schools that are available. And, again, not every installation is going to have every choice, but it's a nice overview, and there's also a resource that parents could download at the end that will point them in the direction of where to find out, where their state has a voucher program or an education savings account program specifically for the state. So there are some resources out there, along with schoolquest.org or greatschools.org, which would tell parents where they can look at the different school options to an area that they're going to move to. We know that military parents with children, school-age children, their number one thing that they consider when they are looking for a place to live in a new community are the schools that are available to their kids. We've seen that time and time again in our research here at the MSEC. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks very much, Tara, and I hope this is helpful for military parents. As you said, there are lots of resources out there. There, unfortunately, isn't one central clearinghouse where you can get everything you need, but as you said, school liaison officers, MSTCs, the program that MSEC operates, the website, school districts, state agencies, there are lots of resources available to parents to help them navigate these often challenging choices that they have as they move from location to location.
0: Absolutely. Thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.